Recode Radio presents Recode Decode, coming to you from the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, executive editor of Recode. You may know me as that person who was tweeting all night on New Year's Eve, but in my spare time, I talk tech, and you're listening to Recode Decode, a podcast about tech and media's key players, big ideas, and how they're changing the world we live in. You can find more episodes of Recode Decode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts, or just visit recode.net slash podcast for more. Today, I'm in San Francisco with Dick Costello, the former CEO of Twitter. He's one of my favorite guests. He's now the CEO of a fitness startup called Chorus. But over the course of January, we're going to be doing several episodes of Recode Decode together. He's going to be my co-host. And we're going to be talking about comedy. So today for our first episode, I'll be interviewing him because he is quite funny and he has a career in comedy. Well, now we're set up for failure. That's way, <laughs> way to go. That but, but later is this the month, we're going to be talking. It's all going to go no, downhill. No, but later this month, we're talking a lot of people from yes. comedy and where comedy is going, and 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 we'll get into why a comedy online and all kinds of things. It's going to be. Very, I can't wait. That's going to be great. Yeah, I want to. to start. Why did you pick comedy? You could have talked about social media. Let's talk about why you wanted to do comedy. Because oh, I'm, for I'm these giving, podcasts. Yes. So I, Hillary Rosen did politics. That yeah. makes sense. She's a political sure. person. But why comedy? Explain why you selected that as your topic. I just here. think comedy is enjoying a real renaissance um, in in America. There are more um, women, successful women comics, than I feel like there's ever been. Um, you know, you could argue, well, a lot of people would argue, Julie Louise Dreyfus and Amy Schumer and uh, and Amy Poehler and uh, Tina Fey are, you know, the funniest people in the in the country right now. And, it, um, you know, it hasn't been since the, since the sort of 60s, 70s when you had Lucille Ball and Carol Burnett that um, women in American comedy have had this real, like, amazing mm-hmm. renaissance. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got folks like um, Kumail from Silicon Valley who just made an amazing movie, The Big right. Sick. It's and he spends like a lot of time on Twitter, too. Spends a lot Lots of time on Twitter. He's very good at it. Um, the, the whole cast of Veep, um, uh, including Julie, is on Twitter all the time. I just think it's a really fun time to talk about it and talk about everything that's changing and uh, in that industry and, and, and in many ways how women in America are leading the way. I think right. it's really cool. So let's talk about your history of comedy. Now, you were the CEO of Twitter, which we know you of, which was also very funny in many yeah, ways. I was waiting for that. <laughs> it comes. That wasn't easy. You set yourself up. I'll be, there'll be a you lot of You threw the ball in the there'll air and tons. you hit it right there'll over be, the net. There'll be all tons. Right. We'll be talking about Russia. We'll be talking sure. about all kinds of things. Okay. Um, Stradzvite, by the way, Dick. I know you are you're, a plant. You're, well, you're welcome. <laughs> So talk about your history. You were, you, you're known as a tech executive and we've talked about this before, but let's, for those who don't know Dick. Yeah. Go way you, back. Yes. Let's go way back. Way back. Um, so when I was uh, studying computer science at University of Michigan at the time, it was in the um, humanities school mm-hmm. um, before it was moved to engineering and you had to have these humanities credits to graduate. I just decided my senior year I would take acting classes because I could wouldn't have to do much right. homework. Right, and you could get um, an easy A. Yeah, I could get an easy A, and I just loved it and decided when I graduated. Had you been I, in anything in no, high school? No, nothing, nothing, zero. Nothing. What did nothing. you do in high school? Were you the funny Lonely guy? Lonely, cried in my room alone. <laughs> at night. But were you like the funny Wondered guy? Why people didn't like me? Yeah, that's no, you know, like too a, hard. you know, you know, among your among my circle of five, four, four friends. Yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that doesn't tell you much. Really? So, so you weren't like the standing? No. I was just kind of, you know, I was all, always kind of making observational jokes kind of from the sidelines. Never like sardonic. Like, never the class clown person, you know? Right, right. But I'm curious. I want to go back to high school because you you, you didn't, because a lot <laughs> of people- to get away from it. Go, but go ahead. So was, you were not popular, in other words. I wasn't not, listen, I wasn't like, you know, 
um, you know, it's just you know me and my dog and my imaginary <laughs> friend Billy. But you know, no, I wasn't like you know the the homecoming dude or whatever right. those guys are called. Do you know, They're I was really something. popular. In school. Homecoming queen I was and, and extraordinarily popular. <laughs> doesn't I was surprise the yearbook me one editor. <laughs> I went out with the, with the of course you were the yearbook speaker. editor. You were really the yearbook editor. Yeah, I was. Of course you were. Yes, I had control yeah. over everybody right. at the time. That is a powerful position. Of course it is. At, to which to wield right. my power. Right, because I'm not going to use that photo. Yeah, I'm not going to use this, this photo. photo. <laughs> exactly. It's Facebook before Facebook. Right. I did a lot of favors for people in that room. I'm just did. telling you. Listen, I can get you on page 18. <laughs> exactly. I'll put you across <laughs> from this guy. Oh, I don't want to be across. That was a big deal. I'm we sure it was. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Um, so, I can have you removed from the index. <laughs> index. You're done. Done. You didn't exist. You didn't exist in high school. Your right. kids are the, where yeah. are you in here? Where are you? Um, so you so you were in college. So you were taking computers. So you moved in naturally since you were unpopular in computer science. Of course. <laughs> so right. you did that. And then what? So uh, you took this acting class. So course. I took these acting classes and then I just was decided. Was this acting, acting? Or? No, it was like, you know, <laughs> learn to act. Theater mm-hmm. 101, you right, know, okay. think of an introductory theater class. Right. Um, we did some like Arthur Miller scenes or something. Oh, um, and then I decided uh, when I was doing that, um, my senior year also just started doing open mic night stand up at, um, at the student union, which they had on Wednesday now, nights. Now, why? What prompted just you? Just because as part of the acting class, I thought it would be fun to do it. And I just started doing it. Um, and it was fun. Anyway, gra- when I graduated, with Which, my, I'm going to stop you again. What was your big joke? I was trying to, I'm trying to move. I didn't no, I'm not have, moving I didn't, I really There's had no nothing. I've got an I had, hour. I had no. Good material. Right. It was like open mic nonsense. You know, if you go to an open mic thing and you think like, oh my, how they actually spent time on this. Right. And so what was the, 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 you the HBO crashing HBO show crashing. Yes, it's yeah, that. Yeah. It's all horrible, horrible right. comedy. Right. I can't. I couldn't even. I couldn't remember one. But you, you got like, up there me. and just tried. Yeah, your I, got, I got up there and tried my darndest. Right. Yeah. Um, and I just ended up really liking being on stage. Which part? Is uh, everything about it. Like, right. yeah, maybe. I don't know. Well, like, look, I'm, I I talk and they listen to me. And right, you know, once, right. once in a while they heckle and I get to say something to them. Right. And I have a microphone and they don't. Right, right. Um, and the, I just that the combination of that and the acting class, I just decided um, my uh, end of my senior year, like I'm going to go to Chicago and try to get into Second City. Right. Um, it wow. was known already as the sort of the highway yeah. to Saturday Night Live, you know, mm. the Belushi and Murray and all those guys in the 70s had used it to get the SNL um, all the, again and again in the 80s. Um, and, then, and then a bunch of the people that ended up performing there with, um, you know, went on to do that. Adam McKay and, and Tina Fey and Rachel Dratch and uh, all, all those folks. Um, I, of course, didn't. Um, I'm skipping yeah. ahead. But, no, we're not um, skipping. There's uh, no as, skipping. As I went through Second City and and, and performed there and, and at the Annoyance Theater, which was sort of a companion theater and improvisation in Chicago and spent a ton of time there. Um, you know, I hung out with and performed with all those folks. So, Carell and I were in the same sort yes. of start group, if you will, at, at Second what, City. So explain how that you got there, back how it was done. You went to Second City. So I just moved to Chicago. You, did you enroll in courses there? Yes. So they basically have this, like, you know, pay this amount of money and we'll take you through, like, this improvisation, mm-hmm. six classes of improvisation. And when you're done, you sort of audition for one of the touring companies. And you also, like, put on this, like, show. You know, you're, you're, People you're kind come of in to the... See. You, there are some down nights at Second City. They have two stages, and I think Monday and Tuesday no one performs in the backstage, and they sort of give that to the sort of the last level of the of training program folks to use on Monday and Tuesday night um, before the regular um, groups get up there and start performing the rest of the week. Um, then Steve and I were in the same group there, and that's where I met a bunch of those people, like um, Rachel Dratch again, and uh, she and I became good friends, and 
um, Matt Walsh, who's on Veep now, um, and I ended up meeting him at um, Second City and the Annoyance Theater, and on and on. A bunch of those people who have gone on to do what great things. What did you imagine? Your fu- you wanted to do that, though. Right? I totally wanted to do it. You know, and I, I ultimately, a couple years later, I did audition for SNL and didn't get that. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only did I not get it, I didn't even get called back to, you know, New York. All right, I'm not um, going to let you run through this. Right. What was that audition like? Oh, my gosh. Um, so they sort of have this three steps of auditions, sort mm-hmm. of do this um, one audition in front of um, a few people involved with the show and then a bigger audition in a more public environment, if you will, like sort of on stage at Second City if you make it through that first set. And then the third set is you fly to New York and, you know, you're, you're, you're auditioning in, in front of Lauren and, and the rest of the team, Lauren Michaels. Um, I didn't even get through the first thing. The first audition is something we called Three Through the Door, um, three through the door was you come out and you do, you can do what sort of whatever you want, your own monologues, mm-hmm. a one minute monologue as character A, whoever you want character A to be, can be a, can be an impersonation, can be a character you created, um, do sort of a one minute monologue, leave stage, come back out, uh, through the door as a second character, do another minute monologue, leave stage, come back out as a third character. And they say, thank you very much. Um, what were your characters? I had all sorts of random, weird character stuff. Um, Don't be difficult. Uh, I had this like unemployed uh, Scottish guy that, you, you know, um, <laughs> he was mostly trying to do voice. You're trying to do voices and show him a range of voices, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so at the time, I think, um, I'm trying to remember who some of the candidates were. You know, you're trying to work in, they always obviously want to do these uh, lots of political humor. So you're trying to be able to do impersonations of the folks that are running for president or might are likely to run for president. President. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're trying to set yourself up as different from the people you already know they've gotten the cast. Right, right. right. One of the big challenges with, um, at least in thinking about auditioning for shows like that at the time and probably still today is, you know, there's one this type of person and there's one, you know, crazy guy and there's mm-hmm. one I'm going to be the mom in all the scenes. And the, mm-hmm. so you're trying to sort of distinguish yourself from, well, he's coming back and I kind of look like him. So I got to try to be not like him. Right, right. Um, but what was your actual genuine character? I didn't really have my genuine character was I didn't really have a sort of a go to back pocket thing, which probably another one of the reasons mm-hmm. why uh, you never. But you, you had hopes and dreams. It. You had hopes and dreams of go, being on that. Yeah, SNL. but let's be frank. There are lots and lots of these people who are auditioning for these shows for a right. very, very small number of roles. Mm-hmm. You know, Carell was always hilarious. Mm-hmm. Steve Carell was great from day one, the, like day one in the Second City Training Center. Mm-hmm. Steve was amazing. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, I mean, he didn't get SNL. His wife did. Um, Wait, who's I, his wife? Um, Nancy, Nancy Walls. Mm-hmm. Um, Nancy, oh. got, Nancy got SNL. I think she was on for a couple seasons. Um and so they, you know, Steve ended up being a roving reporter on The Daily Show mm-hmm. and then got the Dana Carvey show. But Dana's show was canceled after six episodes. Right. So, I mean, you know, Steve was kind of grinding away and eventually a 40-year-old virgin uh, uh, did that. And that was his breakout hit. But he was great from day one. You know, he was one of those people you always like, this guy's going to make it. Mm-hmm. There's just so many great people. Right, like um, that. You just, you know, a bunch of them, some of them do and a bunch of them don't. Right. What did you do in your... To make money. Oh, my gosh. You end up having these, like, horrible jobs. You know, mm-hmm. you're, like, working in the coat room at a nightclub because it's the only thing you can do off hours to make any right. money. Cool. So I remember <laughs> a guy from my computer science class at Michigan <laughs> comes to the limelight in Chicago. Right. Um, this is in the 80s and the limelight in New York uh-huh. is super hot. And then they uh-huh. open one in Chicago. Yeah, yeah limelight. And limelight. So, yeah, called right. Slimelight. So I'm working in the coat room at, mm-hmm. like, 2 in the morning at this nightclub. And this guy from my computer science program in Michigan comes in 
and like hands his jacket to the coat room dude, who's me, and he like has this moment of recognition oh, and no. does this like, whoa, you know, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> what did you do? I was just like, hey, Doug, how's, how's it going? And he like, you know, like he didn't want to, I was afraid to ask. Yeah, you know? yeah, there you were, there you were. There you were. So you were doing that, what, was it the losing of the SNL thing? You were like, I'm no, not No, it, it was the losing of all of them. All of them. You know, that How I, many did you Later on, I auditioned for Mad TV. You remember when Mad TV oh, came yeah. around? Um, they also took a big swing through Chicago and auditioned and hired a bunch of people from Second City and The Annoyance and mm-hmm. um, and uh, Improv Olympic was uh, was another big improv organization in Chicago at the time um, that had started there. Uh, you know, after four or five or six of them, you go, okay, well, yeah, <laughs> I sense a pattern. Yeah, I, you don't have to, you know. Do you understand why you didn't out get what's it? Going on. Did you just-, just? I just, you know, they're all they're all different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, they're always different reasons. Um, we have someone that looks like, you know, I don't have a like super, um, you know, a lot of people who look like me. Yeah. I'm not as funny as that guy, et cetera, right, et cetera. Right, and but you, but you still wanted to do this. You still wanted to be in. Well, after a while, you start, after a while when you're com- really, really poor and yeah. not getting any of your auditions. I'm living in Chicago, um, freezing cold. You know, Chicago. like, all right, it's time to go do something else. So I went right. back and put my degree to use at that. I was like, okay, this is enough of this. Right. So this is like five years later. What did like, that all right, feel I've had like? enough. Um, it's fine. You kind of, you know, like, all right, like this is a grind. I don't want to do it anymore. Um, mm-hmm. but, and I always thought in the back of my mind, like, well, I'll come back to it. Right. Um, and then I kind of have been able to do that, which is fun. Right, right. As a very wealthy person, but <laughs> as a successful person. Yeah. So you got back to, then you went back to computing and you started a company. Just walk through, well, this inter- you can walk through quickly. Well, I just had a, like, a consulting job and when the internet, in my mind, when the web took off in 90... Uh, Six. 90, yeah, Six, 93, seven. 93 yeah. for me when when Mosaic yeah. and Netscape. Um, That's when I entered Just starting in like November 93, I was, I, I, I realized uh, this is, wow, this is this really extensible mm-hmm. um, platform and it's going to be super important. It was, everyone at the time was still referring to it as the information super high ray and mm-hmm. uh, everything, but I remember seeing um, a few Netscape demos and thinking this is going to be really important and just mm-hmm. went off and started one of those, um, started my own company that was just doing like web technology and design at the mm-hmm. time. Making websites. Sort of early days, right? Making mm-hmm. websites for people. Yeah. yeah. And then you started a company. Sold that, um, started a company called Spy On It, which mm-hmm. was basically an early alerts company, like watching mm-hmm. web pages for changes in them, mm-hmm. things like eBay auctions or stock prices or uh, anything really, and would alert you via SMS or via instant messenger or email when there were changes to those pages we were watching, um, which got me interested in the mobile internet. Uh, we sold we sold Spionet to a mobile uh, financial services company. Um, in this crazy story, like uh, September 12, 2000. Mm-hmm. So my birthday is September 10th. So I'm out to dinner on September 10th, 2001, and thinking in two days when this sort of lockup on our, mm-hmm. our stock for the year-long uh, stock lockup expires, I'm going to be in this whole really different world. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the next morning was 9-11, mm-hmm. and it just really taught me. That was really the the day that, for I guess, for everyone else as well, but 
really taught me like, you know, thinking about when this thing happens, everything will be great. It's just a stupid way to live your life because everything can change in a moment. Right, right. So you then did another company. Did, created FeedBurner. um, Mm -hmm. Which explain what that did. FeedBurner, the the idea behind FeedBurner was, well, um, with RSS feeds, the future of content is going to be distributed and syndicated Mm -hmm. and people aren't going to go to web pages anymore and read the news. It's going to be distributed to them Mm -hmm. in the form of these feeds. Um, will be a a content intermediary that basically distributes feeds for publishers and helps them monetize those feeds and distribution um, and sort of a publisher clearinghouse, if you will. Um, And that's going to be something publishers aren't going to want to do for themselves. That worked and was great. And uh, we sold that to Google in June of 2007. Of course, things like Twitter came along and rendered RSS for the the large part, like, well, this is how I'm going to get all my news and information, not through these... Um, not through web blog, you know, web blogs or Google Reader or anything. Right, and then you went to Twitter. And then, can you lo- very briefly say behold, how that happened? I went to Twitter. Well, Ev Williams had been. I knew Ev. He had been for running a long time. They had shift. Jack was the CEO, yeah. and then he wasn't. But I, but Ev was at Google when we were talking to them. Were about acquiring. Yes, that's right. Um, Feedburner. Feed. He was at Google through Blogger. Right. Um, so I'd spent a bunch of time with Ev at. At Google, right. By the time I got there, he was off, you know, doing doing audio, which mm-hmm. then, of course, the sound thing, the sound thing that they uh, pivoted into Twitter. Um, so when I left Google, um, Ev called me, and uh, and to, you know, essentially make a long story short, asked me to come out and 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 uh, run operations for him as COO. Right, and you were COO. That was Ev had taken over from Jack. Correct. correct. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and yep. you got right in the middle of that. <laughs> Jesus, that's a comedy. Uh, it was, you know, the, yeah. Anyway, there, there. I was there for. I ended up being there for six years, um, right. um, which is a, a long time to be involved guys. in and running a company that's got as much going on right. as Twitter does. I yeah. mean, it's just, um, it feels like so much longer than six years. You yeah. know, every day is some amazing crazy, wild thing is happening. Yeah, most of them awful. Um, all right, when we get back, we're talking to Dick Costa, and we're talking about comedy. I just was going through his career and his early career in comedy, uh, which was a failure, apparently. Um, but when we get back, we're going to talk about how he, after he left Twitter... Sh- I showed them, though. You showed them. You did. <laughs> <laughs> you bought a comedy club. That's right. And I fired everyone. Right. I just do I'm comedy all day long. Perform. Yeah, you just do it yourself. Yeah. Why didn't you do that? Why don't you do that? It does seem sort of miserable. Yeah, it does, but fantastic yeah. in a lot of ways. Anyway, Anyway, we'll be back talking about comedy um, this month. I'll be talking all month with Dicassons, a series of special uh, Recode Decode episodes about that and where it's going. If you're enjoying this interview, then you should check out one of our other podcasts, Recode Media with Peter Kafka. Peter, who did you talk to this week? Kara, guess who I talked to this week? I will tell you Jim Rutenberg, New York Times excellent media reporter, and Sarah Ellison, formerly Vanity Fair's excellent media reporter, now Washington Post's great media reporter. Guess what we talked about? You got it, media reporting. Trump, Murdoch, Facebook, Trump, Trump, Trump. It's a great conversation. These are two of the smartest people in the business. I got to talk to them for half an hour. It's great. You'll like it. Sounds great, Peter. You can find Recode Media on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, or wherever you listen to your podcast. I'm here with Dick Costello, who many in Silicon Valley know as the former CEO of Twitter. Man. You're former. You're really... Do you remember? Twisting I didn't. I put that on really a like twisting a, the knife. Well, you know what? Constantly. You're, that was you're a husband. Really, I think I put husband on one of your cards at one point. Didn't <laughs> Thank I? you. That's very kind of you. But it's true, though. Really, it is. Come on. 
Has things changed since you left? So you were CEO of Twitter. <laughs> Have things changed from being a has-been to yes. something else? No, no. no. Let's get, I'm we're enjoying finish my up with Twitter because I wanted to get into been. comedy. I want to talk about comedy. Right. So, and where it's going. Uh, so you you were at Twitter, which provided a lot of material. I don't know why you just don't do sets on Twitter, like being the CEO of Twitter. I think that would be very funny. We were going to do that. We were going to do a comedy show uh, on tech. Don't you think that would be funny? I think it would be great. I think it would I be still really, think it would be great. I think it would be good. Let's talking about everything. We could make fun of people There's every week. plenty of plenty material. Plenty of material, and we're going to get to that. Um, okay. So you did that. You left. You took it public, right? You were the public. I did. You were did, and uh, and then you and then as usual, Twitter's a six alarm fire or whatever. You, at any one point, um, is there a six alarms? I think that's, that's the, what I'm calling it. One five more than alarm. It can go I know, to. but that's what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, I see. That's, um, that's would the, you, do you? I feel like you got out just in bit. time for the Donald Trump era of Twitter. I was not there for the what you would consider the Donald Trump era of Twitter. It is now. I mean, he was on, of course, right. at the time, and right. uh, saying things that. <clears throat> not too dissimilar than what he, the kinds of things he says today, but um, he wasn't the in the position that he is now. Right, right. Are you pleased that you're not there having to deal with that? Um, I, I love, you know, I've said this a million times, right. to say it again, I love running that company. I love right. the people there. I loved doing it. It was exciting. Like every day was a challenge. It's just, um, it's, you know, uh, it's a lot of work, man. Yeah, yeah. You and know. plus the attention it gets is really, and all the journalists are on it. That can be good, it. you know, I think that can be fun. You're certainly under a, you're, Certainly under a microscope, but you know, once you're running a public company, you're always under a microscope. Yeah, I guess, but not like Twitter. I think it's fascinating. Yeah, that's fair. I, buy I think that. it's because the media is so interested in it. Yeah, about everything about it. Yeah, and it's an interesting place. It's a really yep. interesting product, no matter how you deal with it. 100% um, agree. But so you then were casting about for your next move. <laughs> casting, <laughs> casting about. What, oh, what will I do now? Yes, what did you do? my time. I want to hear your process because you went to comedy, you went back to comedy. I did. So I had a great dinner with Peter Goober, the mm -hmm. Mandalay Entertainment, yeah. um, you know, part owner of the Warriors. Um, I don't know. died, Don. Don't, 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 they don't. did all the Top Gun movies. And, and uh, Tootsie, I think, and mm -hmm. several others. Mm -hmm. Hits, big hits. And Peter, um, when the, the news broke, well, which was instantly the moment I told the company on June 11th, 2015, that I, I was leaving. I think that was me. Um, Oops. I, it's all right. I had an all-hands meeting, and, and it was like, well, this is going to be public in two minutes. Um, Peter uh, texted me and said, "Get, I'm coming into town, get dinner with me. And we got dinner, and he said, listen, when I left Sony Entertainment, I thought everyone really cared about what I was going to do next, and... I thought it was really important to be clear about what I was going to do next. I'm going to do this and, and get my story out there. And he said, you know, the reality is, I hate to break this to you, nobody cares. Nobody so, cares. Yeah. Um, your mama and your cat. And then, like, the person, the waiter came over and, like, nodded. Yeah. And, you know, like, really, nobody cares. Um, <laughs> Just pay my uh, bill, please. And so he said, don't react to anything that's going on right now. Don't react to offers that come yeah, in. Yeah, don't Wait react. six yeah. months and then, like... Don't, he, he specifically said, don't be a catcher receiving offers, be a fisher. Like, yeah. go wait till no one's emailing you anymore and then go decide what you want to right. do. Right. I thought, that was, great. That, thought that was great that was advice. Very, yeah. and it was only about like three days later when people stopped emailing me. So <laughs> I didn't have to wait six months. <laughs> oh, Dick, we do. Yeah. Yeah, no. You're yeah. too expensive. And yeah. you're, you're the interesting thing, and I'm not going to yeah. throw anyone under the bus here. Yeah. We can do this later in private. Please do. Uh, but I will, I will say that this was fascinating. The interesting thing was, 
the day that the news broke that I wasn't going to be Twitter anymore, <laughs> you would be surprised at the people who immediately unfollowed me on Twitter. What? Yes, yes, you would. So I'll tee that up for a future conversation. All right. Wow, really? You would be surprised at the How do you people. know that? I don't even know. I have so many Oh, Twitter don't worry. Followers. I have people who came in and tell uh, right. so you watch this follower and you watch, no. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you can, you get alert, I would get alerted to certain things. Oh, wow. Um, and uh, that I, that I noticed. Right. You know? wow. Or I would go try to DM someone. It was like, <laughs> this person doesn't follow. <laughs> You. It's like what? No, they do follow me because I have a DM exchange with them from pre, you know from before. Like, I never did no, that. No, not now. I kept calling. No, it you. wasn't you. It no, it wasn't you. me. No, I think I'll do that right now to see what happens. But so so um, interestingly, the one the one thing I will say about it was it was never the people in like Hollywood. Right. You know, they're sort of yeah, they're the, used to the, it. They're, well, I think they like know like hey these. The, Ups and the, downs, that, that, that group of people is, deals with the I'm a star, I'm a nobody, I'm a, right. I'm a star again. Right. Uh, so they get it more than anyone else does probably. Right. right. So you decided how did you get to the comedy thing besides through me? Well, that was you, you reconnected me to uh, you re, you connected me to Mike Judge and Alec Berg, the executive producers and showrunners for Silicon Valley. Mm -hmm. I went down to lunch with those guys. It was great. Um, they already knew in season three they needed to bring in a new CEO mm -hmm. um, because Richard he wasn't going to be the CEO of the company at the beginning of season three. So it was just sort of perfect timing with you You actually went through that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, they were asking me, who's a washed-up CEO? And I said, wait. Who's a has-been? I said that. They You're did. like, I know, a, I know a great has-been. I did. I know in a fact, funny has-been. Everyone's been. already stopped emailing him. <laughs> yeah, stopped following him on Twitter. Uh, so I went into lunch with those guys. It was great. Uh -huh. and so I just went right into the writer's room, literally right. the into the writer's room for season three, and it was awesome. What did I you mean, do there? What did you actually? I, like, I keep well, asking this. You never give I would, me a straight I would answer. give them advice, but I would, I would give them advice. So first of all, there, there was what I was there to do and then what I would do. Mm -hmm. um, what I was there to do was the, hey, we need to have the, you know, the board needs to, we need to get Richard into this kind of a situation. And mm -hmm. one idea we have is that um, Lori and, uh, you know, um, the, the Raviga could do this to him. What, how would that work? You know, right. would, would he go there? Would they yeah. come into the boardroom? Right. Uh, all that kind of stuff yeah. just to try to get they want the... want verisimilitude. Yeah, they want verisimilitude. That's correct. Um and so I would give them advice on that kind of stuff and say, nah, it would happen, it would it would more likely happen this way. And then, of course, as I got comfortable being in the room, I would start pitching ideas. Mm -hmm. And um and Alec Berg has this great way of saying that's a horrible idea, which is he'll go, Yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. We could do that. Mm -hmm. Or we could also <laughs> <laughs> And I was always like, that was very nice of you to always yeah. say it that way instead. <laughs> Did of, any get through? We would never do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like oh occasionally one or two got through, but they mm -hmm. were, you know, like little minor things. Which here ones and there. are yours? Oh, like minor lines that you know you wouldn't you would be like, Yeah, that wasn't that that wasn't very funny. Very funny. Like um I think at one point Richard says something like, you know, well, four years from, you know, the four-year plan is to be profitable by so-and-so. And, and Action Jack, the CEO's brought in said, hey, Richard, in March of 2000, you know, March of 2001, the four-year plan lasted another month before everything crashed. Mm -hmm. um, see, I told you it wasn't very yes, funny. Yes, that's but not that was funny. Mine. That's you know, You're like, you're like. I'm not, that's all. That's no wonder you're not alone right, with the show right. anymore. <laughs> so, I was like, but I was. They wasn't. They weren't paying me anything. So right. Was, I thought you had done the, labor. the conjoined trial of success. No, no, no. That's John Levenstein. Okay. Um, John came in one morning. Um, who's who's great? John came in one morning and literally just went up to the whiteboard in the writers' room and drew it. 
Mm-hmm. The whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, sales, you know, sales, Richard, sales and engineering are the mm-hmm. two pillars of the conjoined triangle. <laughs> Richard compromises the shared hypotenuse <laughs> of the conjoined triangles of success. I mean, he literally wrote the whole thing out with and compromise. And you've been in that and, and I'm like, oh, man, this is, you exactly. know. Exactly. And it was I've immediately one of those, oh, we got to, this is great. Where yeah. can we use this? Yeah. And, it, yeah. and then making it Action Jack's sort of thing. And right. his Harvard case study was right. perfect. Yeah, yeah. You didn't do the horse sex one, did you? Uh, that The horse, no. However, However I was in the pitch session. you advised since no, you had a horse. I was in the, with her like, would this actually happen? I was like, I don't have anything to say about that. Right. So in the pitch session for the, um, what if, you know, what if Jack's got to go to Sonoma because, his, you know, his, he's mating his horse? <laughs> um, and they're, they're going through this discussion about the scene, and I'm thinking, and I, like, said to Mike or Alec afterward, I don't remember which one, I said, what's going to happen when the production team starts? So when the writers are writing in the summer, the production right. team's not there. The right. actors aren't there. The production team's not there. Yeah, they, they sort don't of know. re-get back together in October <laughs> and start going through the scripts. I was like... What happens in October when you go, when the production team comes and go, yeah, listen, in the first Four episode, sex. here's this scene. <laughs> you know, how quickly is this going to be written out of the show? And you're like, right. yeah, you'd be surprised what we can, you know, you'd be surprised what they're like, okay, fine. And, yeah. and then what they're like, no, we can never do that. Right. And you're, they're right. I was surprised. Yeah, I they let didn't that think in. There was any they way really the, let that in. I didn't think there was any way the production folks would be like, yeah, that won't be a problem. Yeah, and they did <laughs> it. They did it. They did it. They did it for a while. They did a lot. <laughs> that was real gross. That yeah. was surprised. Oh, well, what are you going to do? I was like, whoa. Oh, um, so and, and you were there for a season, right? I was there for all of season three in the writer's room and then saw a little bit of the production, mm-hmm. um, uh, not, not a ton of it. It's amazing to see, I'll tell you, I'll give you a, just a few quick observations mm-hmm. from me in the writer's room. One, the writer's room for that show is like, a who's who of talent. You mm-hmm. know, you had um, Ron Wiener from uh, one of the head writers of 30 Rock and uh, John, who I just mentioned, um, coming from a bunch of shows and most recently Arrested Development and um, Clay Tarver and, and and Mike and Alec. I mean, it's just one All after another. No, 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 sorry. Um, uh, Carrie Woodruff's in the room and Megan Amran was in the room. Um, uh, so, uh, sorry, I was listening to all the guys first. Um, Megan's awesome on Twitter and Carrie's hilarious. Um so that that was impressive to me, just how good every pitch was like, wow, this is so great. So you would end up with an hour's material for a show that ended up only needing to be a half hour or so. Um, and you're constantly cutting out stuff that's funny. Mm-hmm. But second, the second thing that um, was interesting to observe was how funny some of the episodes felt writing them and reading through them in the room. And then what things would work and what things wouldn't work during mm-hmm. a read-through. Mm-hmm. Things that you thought were so funny when you were writing them, mm-hmm. you'd get to read through with the actors around the table and the HBO execs there, and you're like, wow, that just didn't work. Like, how in the world? That's just zero. Mm-hmm. And then things that really aren't that funny at all that you think mm-hmm. are written example. down. I, don't, I can't re- don't remember. Just mm-hmm. things that seem funny on paper Did, weren't funny, funny. In, in, when they read through them, and things and that seemed like And ha- you did not have any experience writing for... No, not at this, nothing like this at this level. I've been mm-hmm. asked to help out with a, 
a nonsense thing here and there before, but mm -hmm. nothing like an HBO right. show where you've got like an incredible uh, level of talent. Mm -hmm. So I was just I was just surprised by how things that work so well on paper would fall flat yeah. around the around the table, and other things that seemed like not so great on paper were hilarious. Did you were you surprised how successful the show has been? Because there's never been a really good tech show, right? I mean, it's fun. We here laugh like Dick. You and I talk, and we're like in hysterics yeah. by everybody. But but the fact that it, the fact that people here think of it as so on point mm -hmm. and it's hilarious to people who don't understand the tech industry mm -hmm. at all Why is, is the genius of the show. I think that's because Alec and Mike are so good at why do we care about Richard as like normal human beings, not like VCs in Silicon Valley. Mm -hmm. And they've got that he's like this noble, they've, they've really locked into Richard's, despite all his foibles and flaws is the noble character in the show. And mm -hmm. he has to do these kinds of things and fulfill these kinds of obligations as the noble character in the show. Mm -hmm. And they've just, they've figured it out. I mean, the ability to do both things is hard and they excel at it. So it's not the topic. It. it could be, he could be anywhere. Could be. I think so, yeah. The folks in Veep hear the same things from folks in Washington, like, oh man, I can't watch that show because it's so on point. Mm -hmm. While that may be horrific to all of us, yeah. that's what they hear from folks I mean, in Washington. You, people like you and I just give them suggestions. They seem to know. They're able to run with ideas and mm -hmm. um, and take the suggestion and incorporate it into an, sort of an everyday situation that works for people. Do you think Silicon Valley has gotten more and more ridiculous then? Silicon Valley? Yeah. The show or real life? Real life. Yes, for sure. <laughs> Yeah. For sure it's gotten more ridiculous. These people don't know they're ridiculous, right? Is that well, there's a, yeah, there's a lot of that, which mm -hmm. is like there's a surprising lack of self-awareness mm -hmm. mm -hmm. that seems to have gotten, um, there seems to be more of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, just there just is. You yeah. can see it in lots and lots why, of places. Why do you think that is? I have no idea. It's crazy because yeah. yeah. I feel like how does – this they used person to sort just of laugh not about know how ridiculous they are. This is something you would never do or right. say or think right. or right. run around and doing in public. Right, um, right. Yeah, or at least there used to be a little bit of like, I know this is outrageous, but ha, 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 I'm in yeah. on the joke. Yeah. And I was sort of like... Right. <laughs> what ha is it the wealth? Is it I the don't know. Maybe it's the money. I guess so. Yeah, because they definitely be take them. They used to be funnier. It seems to, be, uh, seems to have something to do with the money. Or they're more easily offended. Like, I remember yeah. none of them being that offended when I tweaked them. Now it's like, it's fascinating. Yeah, you got to be able to like laugh at take yourself. a little bit, and they're of a all punch. kind of ridiculous in their own kind of ways. Like you, you got to be able to listen. If you can't laugh at yourself, I'm mean, I don't know. I know, but I, it's not a funny culture anymore. It's a do you bummer. find it to be? No. And they're and now they're agonized in earnest at the same time. That's my issue. Yeah, it's it's all very depressing. It is a little bit. <laughs> I mean, like we were talking earlier about the pony. You can be agonized, the but then don't be earnest. No, exactly. Yeah. Don't be either. <laughs> you can pick. You can pick, pick one. one. No, I don't like earnest. You know what I mean? Yeah, no. You know, it's I'm getting it's a lot usual of false earnestness. I'm, I'm getting too. like a lot of calls. Like I'm feeling really bad. Like really big people. <laughs> this Russia thing really upsets me. I'm like. Well, it's ups, it's upset democracy, yeah, right, right, so the rest of us right. are kind of pissed. Thanks when a lot. It's ruining the country, so yeah, I'm glad yeah. it's hurt your feelings. And then they're like, well, is it? I'm like, yeah, yeah, you ruined the country. Like, <laughs> go back into your, you know, go back into to Menlo Park or wherever the fuck you live and leave us alone. Stop doing, stop inventing things immediately. Um, but it is, it's it, 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 the lack of sense of humor is really interesting in Silicon Valley now. And it yeah, used to be bummer. that kind of counterculture of... of yeah, it's a bummer. I... I I used to think Jobs got the joke. Like he, I, he seems to like he had to have gotten the joke. He always he always seemed like he did. Gates never did. 
Don't know. Never got the joke. You know more about. Did not. I didn't get to hang out with those folks. So, what do you think is funny right now in Silicon Valley? And then we're gonna in the next section we're gonna talk about where comedy's going. I think not enough is funny in Silicon Valley right now. It's as I was saying, it's kind of a bummer. That's one of the one of the reasons I'm so been so happy to get uh, more involved back in comedy is Mm -hmm. where a lot of the. Uh, fun. So we're a lot, a lot of actually fun, actual fun stuff is happening. Right. And a lot and of very innovation is happening. Stuff. A lot of pointed, pointed and, and in, inventive, like right. an innovative. Amy right. Schumer's show was amazing. Um, right. Julie was Dreyfus, I think, is like the funniest person on TV right now. I right. think that um, Kumail's new movie, as I said, yeah, I'm doing like sick. an advertisement for Kumail's movies. Mm-hmm. But The Big Sick is one of the best movies I saw last year. Right. Do you? Um, it, <clears throat> but it's not for lack of topics here, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, there's a new one every day. Let's talk about the alibi pony. The alibi pony, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was. I'm not sure that if I was his, if I was the attorney, I would have suggested that as the. <laughs> this is right, the. Let's right explain. Move. Shervin Peshavar yeah. said he couldn't have sexually harassed someone because he has. He was holding the bridle of a pony at a party, right? I think it was. I think the line was. I don't remember. I'm not going to get yeah. this exactly right, but it couldn't have happened because had a drink in one hand and the pony leash in the other hand. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was like imagining what the what the exchange between the you know him him and the attorney might have been after that. Like, <laughs> like, next time, let's go with righteous indignation. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot like that. I mean, I mean I, I'm, I'm laughing about no, it. No, we shouldn't but, laugh but, about sexual but, harassment, but we but, should. We should like yes, it's okay like, to mock the yeah, ridiculous yeah, pretensions yeah, around right, it. Right, I agree. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, do you think it's because of that? Because of all the sexual harassment, all the topics have been so negative. Um. No, and I don't think so. They've always been. They're always been. I mean, look, maybe on on the democracy level, right. the sexual harassment level, it's. I think that the fact that all the sexual harassment stuff is being exposed is only good. Um, and on the democracy level of right now, it seems only bad. Mm-hmm. But there's always been, hey, this is amazing, and this seems horrible, and yet there was a, an ability to like look at it and satirize some of it, mm-hmm. or or like understand that. They're the absurdity of some of it. And now it's just weird well, that part of it there's, is, there's none of that on well, any also, level. Well, also, it's very, it's not, the, the, sometimes Twitter is very funny. I'll use Twitter. Let's, yeah. Twitter is where a lot of it happens. Um, but sometimes it's cruel. It's just, it's, it's become cruel funny and in a way that's not, it's just been an, an, a hellscape of noise at each other rather than really funny stuff, which really does well, you know, when it, when it hits right on Twitter. Great satire is, is amazing in that it's both funny and opens your eyes to how, you know, insane some particular point of view is. And I just feel like there's not enough of that in, in Silicon Valley anymore. Or anywhere else. All right, when we get back, we're talking to Dick Costa. We're going to talk about where comedy's going. And so we're going to talk about this month uh, on his special co-hosting of Recode Decode, uh, where the topic is comedy. And the co-host is Dick Costa. I also want to tell you about Too Embarrassed to Ask, my other podcast, which I host with Lauren Good from The Verge. I just woke up from a nap. Oh, my God. I was in a recharge. (laughs) Every Friday. We answer your questions about consumer techs. Lauren, you obviously have signaled what we talked about. What did we talk about? We talked with Manny Bamfo, the CEO of Recharge, which is this really interesting startup that's using all the excess space in hotel rooms and other places to charge you by the minute minute for them. Manny. Manny, what did we talk about? Yeah, absolutely. Like You can walk anywhere. You can pull out your phone, and now you can access living space for as long or as short as you want, whether it's one minute or a million minutes. It's totally And we talked about cleaning issues, sex issues. We talked about people who loved it, people who said it's elsewhere and stuff like that. But it's the idea of what? It's like you don't want to do Uber 4, but it's the concept of yield management and empty space. It's a network, right? Yeah. It's a network. um, I mean, in in its most simplest form, not to get too philosophical, but... Mm -hmm. 
if if you think about our world today, I can just send you cash or, or Bitcoin or anything, mm-hmm. just direct to your phone, yeah. your Venmo or Coinbase or whatever. I can send you pizza. I can send you a car. You can mm-hmm. instantly receive it. Um, but the commodity of your house or your hotel or your hotel shelter yeah. in any way you, you can't just I can't just put a tent on you and say boom well, you could in San Francisco um, you could <laughs> you, you could in San Francisco yeah. right but, All right, but, but the so that's concept, overall concept is everything is nothing is fixed nothing is nothing fixed, fixed. alright Manny it was a great discussion and we hope you go listen to it you can find Too Embarrassed to Ask on Apple Podcasts Google Play Music or wherever you listen to podcasts that's Too Embarrassed to Ask see you there I'm here with Dick Costello. We're talking about his career in comedy, and we've been talking about a range of things, such as his uh, his own history, and also where Silicon Valley is uh, on and humor, which is almost nowhere. But let's talk about you're talking about innovation of comedy. Where comedy, you know, had been around forever, obviously since the Stone Tablets, essentially, and then Jonathan Swift did a lot of stuff. You know, there was always satirical writing. What has changed with the advent of digital? Because for clips, for example, get everywhere. You know, Jimmy Kimmel's clips have and have immense power. Um, Twitter is being used really heavily by comics. Uh, live comedy is... Uh, talk about each area and where you see comedy evolving. The formats through which comics can now communicate. Um, Twitter, short digital shorts, um, easy to produce digital shorts uh, that don't have to be done by a network or or HBO, etc., have just um, allowed people to start to see a lot more stuff and it's allowed comics to experiment. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of the ways that um, um, TJ and Thomas uh, Ehrlich and, and, and Richard on Silicon Valley were discovered. Um, it's, it's, Meaning it's, they were off. Yeah, I think they were doing their own two-man thing right. and they were doing some digital stuff. So I think all that is great. But the there's just an explosion. There's you know it goes always goes in waves, but there's an ex- explosion of comic talent right now that I just mm-hmm. think is is it because awesome of how bad things are? It's it seems, but it's it started happening before this again. Like you know thinking about. Um, the, the Upright Citizens Brigade folks and Amy Poehler coming out of that and mm-hmm. then Tina and Amy um, uh, teaming up to co-host, uh, I mean, really co-host some of the awards shows in a way that's been funnier than those shows have been hosted for years and years and years. Um, Amy Schumer's show, which was, you know, groundbreaking and like ridiculously funny. And I mean, I think, I've, I think there were more... Um, you know, email shares and Facebook shares and Twitter shares of some of her sketches um, than than I'd seen since um, the Dave Chappelle show. You know, Uh, like his stuff used to get shared all the time. And then there was this kind of this silence for years until until Amy's stuff uh, took off again and blew up. And SNL's having this amazing resurgence. The SNL resurgence, I imagine, is lots to do with Trump because Mm -hmm. that stuff... I mean, um, Baldwin and everything everything else that everyone's done around the Trump mm-hmm. administration on SNL plays so well um, and is such a relief from the horror of the week's news. Mm-hmm. Um, and and Alec, is, Alec Baldwin is so, so good at it, yeah. um, as was Melissa McCarthy. Right. Uh, at the genius of having Melissa play, play Sean Spicer. Right. Um, I, I don't remember who it was specifically in the writer's room that, that had that idea. Um, 
Uh, but it's just uh, th that kind of stuff's been amazing and and probably directly due to the new administration. So, but, but talk about the, how the mediums changed. Because it used to be people broke, people broke and were on the comedy circuit. Like yeah, Vegas. the way you used to, the difference between then and now was there used to be kind of like only two paths to be successful. Really, I mean, sure, there's probably some third paths, but there are really only two ways you could be successful in comedy. And, and either get on TV or get in the movies. Mm -hmm. You could either be a touring stand-up comic, and that meant you're playing at the, like, the comedy hole, mm -hmm. you know, the laugh pit, whatever the name yeah. of the thing is in Des Moines, Iowa. Yeah. And then on Wednesday, I'm flying to, you know, I'm not flying probably, driving right. to Detroit where I'll be playing at uh, the Laugh Factory and on... Right. Thursday in mm -hmm. Pittsburgh at the Chuckle Shack. I mean, mm -hmm. really, like, it's these mm -hmm. comedy dives, mm -hmm. um, you know, dark bars where the comic's getting half the cover at the door mm -hmm. as pay and then driving to the next town. That was either had to do that mm -hmm. or you literally went to Chicago, uh, tried to get into Second City or Improv Olympic or, or the Annoyance Theater, and from there tried to get on Saturday Night Live. And those were right. kind of your two choices. Right. And then you sometimes got movies like Belushi and yeah, Aykroyd. And, yeah, and if you got on SNL, that was one path to um, fame. And if you were on the stand-up comedy circuit, you hopefully got invited Bar. to the Montreal Comedy Festival. And if you were invited to the Montreal Comedy Festival and you were seen there, that's where all the agents the were. Series, right? And they got picked up. You got your, you your half-hour sitcom, right? Roseanne mm -hmm. Bar, et cetera. Now, um, you know, you don't have to get in a car and drive around. You don't have to. You still can. There's lots of great stand-ups. Mm -hmm. But the ability to be discovered through um, through digital now, through um, just doing things in your living room and being able to get those easily, cheaply, inexpensively produced shorts and get those out there, um, connect on some of these um, services like Funny or Die to people who are doing interesting things is just allowed the discovery aperture to mean that much more broad. Mm -hmm. And what does that do for comedy? What does it change comedy? I think it, it just gives many more people access to being able to be discovered and, and successful who aren't either willing or able to drive around the country for, you know, months and months and months at a time. But is the goal still to, like, have the HBO comedy yeah, special? Yeah, 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 for like, sure, the, for sure. You think it is? The goal is still to, well, I would say the goal is still TV, you know, and by TV today, I still I mean like HBO Netflix, or. HBO, uh, network TV, or movies. That's the goal. And for stand-ups, beyond that, you know, the the you're getting your own HBO stand-up special. But that's for sure still the goal. The, I don't think I don't think comics are yet thinking of it in the. And if all goes well, I'll make my own digital show and like put it on, get it on Facebook Watch. They're not really think. They're still thinking TV, mm -hmm. whether it's network or over the top. And movies. And movies. And but but it's not they're not creating new genres because we were just talking previously at another interview about the changing nature of journalism, how it's changing, how it's delivered. Like you can't do these long text stories. They don't they don't work on mobile. They're not. Do you feel like comedy is changing as a medium? Uh, I think some of the short form stuff is still a vehicle to get people to see the more traditional, the traditional stuff. stuff. I think I don't think it's I don't think it's yet changing as a medium. Most of the most of the digital stuff is to get you. So there's not there's nothing. Toward, the reason I'm asking is uh, there's nothing like Twitter comedy. Just like this is where I'm going to be funny. Like there's been there's you know you guys had Twitter celebrities. You had Vine when Vine was around. Yeah. Uh, you had you know you have uh, Instagram celebrities. I think most of these people are trying to. Parlay that into parlay it. Parlay that into parlay. TV How about that? I like Thank the you. word parlay. Well, yeah. but but you don't think there is a genre? I do think there's a genre. People. That's that, the that, first time I've used the word parlay is in 
31 years, I think. <laughs> We're have yeah, a I haven't used it in that long. But do you think it'd be, the reason I'm asking is because you, you could imagine the way there are, there are YouTube stars that is just for that. Just it's, you think they're trying to move somewhere else. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Why and then you see there? them do it. And then you see right. them do that. I mean, right. That's where the money is. Um, right. And as long as that's the case, that that's where the money is, that's mm-hmm. what they'll so try to go do. So if you can end up getting the big audience, you know, like a bunch of the YouTube stars have immense audiences. They do. Um, Some of them want to stay right there. I met one the yeah, other day. Yeah, and if they could make, I think if they get to the point where they can make the money they want to make there, right. they'll do it. Whether they can do that, whether that is going to be something that can happen long-term or only happens via short-term YouTube subsidies, um, we'll, we'll see. Mm-hmm. So tell me where you think comedy is going. Besides, it's just an explosion. It's obviously a sign of the times. There's always, if there's a worse time, people are funnier. Um, I think where it's going is that it, I mean, this is a, a demographic comment. Mm-hmm. I think where you're going is you're going to see in the U.S. specifically, a much more gender-balanced comedy scene than mm-hmm. than was the case 10, 20, 30 years ago. Right. Um, and well, a much except more, Hello, Louis and a much, C.K. And a, and, mm. and a much more ethnically balanced uh, comedy scene than right. was the case 10, 20, 30 That's years ago. That's because of discovery. It's not just, just going to be, um, you know, guys on the comedy circuit anymore. As, a, as I was saying at the very beginning of this discussion, the... Um, volume and quality of women, American women in comedy right now is extraordinary. Um, it's, and it's awesome. And I don't think that's going to, I don't think we're going to go back to the days of, oh, there's one or two women who were allowed to be on, Phyllis Diller on, and on TV Tony and then everybody else's, right. you know, these funny guys that the show is built around. I think we're not going, going to ever go back to that now. And is it directly because of the discovery that mechanism? I think that discovery is so much more amenable to not having to be alone in a car driving around the country, you know, for nine months at a time, um, for one. And I think that the country is is now much, much more accepting of, I'm, gonna, I'm excited to hear these sort of uh, not just gender diverse, but ethnically diverse points of view and understanding of the fact that... Um, an, a very an ethnically diverse point of view can also be a very American point of view. That's mm-hmm. one of the great things about um, God. I'm really doing it. Kumail's going to owe me a bunch of money for this for <laughs> advertising this movie. Again. I mean, it's a great American movie, and 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 yet this uh, immigrant story all at the same yeah, time. Yeah, at the same time, so much stuff doesn't seem very funny. Like. Roy Moore. I mean, I know you can make fun of him in the horse. They rode in on and this and that. Who's this? Who are we talking Roy about? Roy Moore. He lost. Oh. The, he lost the oh, Senate yeah. race. Yeah, Remember yeah, yeah. Alabama? I mean, with the little the little leather <laughs> the vest. vest and the yeah. badge. Yeah. And Although people did make a lot of fun of him. I mean, yeah. He's like a comedy gold mine. I mean, a comedy gold mine. Yeah, but yeah. here they are. You know, Trump is a comedy gold mine, and yeah. yet it doesn't stop. Yeah, I mean, it, to me, that stuff he's is a little funny, funny and horrible all at the yeah. same. It's. In the comedy world, one of the things I love about the comedy world, and, uh, and as an example, I'll use the, I'll use the Silicon Valley writer's room. Mm-hmm. Nothing is off limits. Like really no topic. Among, when you're with a group of just comedians talking about themselves mm-hmm. and talking amongst themselves rather um, and writing, writing, you know, putting a show together, for example, there's nothing that's off limits. And I think that's great for when you're, you know, trying to really come up with edgy comedy. You can't be writing in a room where it's, well, we can't say anything about XYZ. I mean, to be perfectly frank, that's how one comes up with the, how about if the two horses are having sex, you know, uh, idea. If it gets to be the point where people can't talk about things, 
no one's going to suggest something crazy. Right. Um, so I like that about those rooms. All of those people, even when they're making fun of like some topic that you think of as like, oh my gosh, you can't you can't talk about that. They also understand how horrible that thing is. Right. Um, that's why folks like Kumail and a bunch of the you know the cast of uh, Veep, Timothy and and JLD in particular are so great on Twitter is they can both make fun of it and comment on the horror of it at the same time. And I think that that's important. Yeah, he's funny and indignant. Camille is yeah, funny and indignant. funny and indignant is yeah. great. Yeah, and then of course you've got good way to the go Pod Saves life. America guys yeah. who are... I think that's great. Right. It's much better than, you know, uh, the sort of anguished earnestness that you're like, well, I'm, <laughs> I'm we sad are. and I'm earnest. And mm -hmm. then you, you don't get either the... In, uh, you don't get either the true, real indignance mm -hmm. at, or the or the satire and the hilarity of it. Do you? I'm going to finish up by getting back to Silicon Valley because one, just this weekend, Sam Altman wrote an essay where it was very indignant about how they couldn't say anything. Like there's this whole idea that nobody. You're saying that you can say anything, you can joke about anything, and uh, there's a lot. There's a pushback or a backlash that now we can't say what we want. We can't behave like juveniles um, who, all the time. To me, it's who can't say what we all, want. All these. You know, the white guys, now they're being stopped because now there's some problems with sexual harassment or or treating women in a certain way or the gender issues like James Damore. He, that was his complaint. He can't say what he wants anymore, um, which is different than comedy, which should always be attacking, like attacking and making fun of and making light of things. Yeah, I don't. I don't see because sometimes social media feels just, weaponized. I'll, tell, rather I'll than, tell you though, there's this. I mean, maybe I'm just not in the same. I haven't been in any group of people where I thought that, um, oh, I'm I'm being I'm being made fun of or mocked for uh, saying something. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen that well, at all. I just haven't seen that. I, I I heard another person the other day say, well, there's this, you know, I, I left Silicon Valley because there's this growing McCarthyism. Yeah. I just haven't seen that at all. Yeah. So I don't know where that's coming from. See, I, don't I think get it's the that. opposite. They don't like being mocked well, or that's, made well, fun. Yeah. That, which is, like, I think, yeah. yeah. Well, that's that's, that's what I think able, they're used to being You have to, to be, able to be able to deal with being made fun of. All right, we're going to finish up this episode. Uh, I want you to tell me who you think the funniest people in Silicon Valley are. And uh, not on the show. Oh, man. Is there anybody? Ellison. <sighs> Allison? Ellison, Mary Allison. Yeah, he's funny. <laughs> what do you mean by which funny like, are we talking about? Well, now? he plays the rich, you know. He plays the Bond he's villain. Doing a really good job. He's doing a good job of playing the rich person. First person. He's doing good. He does. He's decorated. He's, he's done the he's, house. He's perfectly. in on the joke. That's okay. His, All right. Good. I feel like he's playing okay. the role and he's doing a nice job. I don't. At I don't. I don't. I think you he's know. Funny. You know more important. I do. He makes I me do. laugh whenever I talk. Benny off. I like Benny off. I think he's funny. Yep. Fair. No. Yes. Um, no, I think Mark is funny. No. I like that Mark is always. You're never quite sure if Mark thinks he's in Hawaii. <laughs> Aloha, Ohana. Think, do you think we're in Hawaii right now? <laughs> we're, we're not. All right. Who else is funny? I'm um, going to go through them. Dorsey. Is Dorsey funny? Jack. Okay. He don't, doesn't seem don't funny. Comment to, don't comment. Jack is extremely funny. Okay. Um, Jack has got it. So first of all, Jack has an amazing sense of humor, right. and he's extremely funny. Now, as Jack would tell you, Jack is also an introvert, so right. it's not going. He's not going to walk into the room and you know, yeah. Um, and and you know, like oh, this amazing, hilarious thing just happened right. uh, that I want to tell you all all you about. Mm -hmm. Five of whom I don't know. Jack's mm -hmm. not that person, but he's extremely funny. All right, um, you say so. <laughs> I, I knew you were gonna. I knew you were gonna give me a. He's retort. not unfunny. He's not. 
not. He's, he's actually. I, you know what I like you, about him? He answers questions. Funny. He's legitimately okay. funny. I want right. to try. To, he he's answers questions, funny. which I appreciate. He yeah. never doesn't. He doesn't answer. beat around the bush. He does not. I um, like that. Uh, Jeff Bonfort at Yahoo. Oh, funny. he is funny, yeah. but he has to be given that job, right? Wow. Yeah. I'm just setting you up now. Now we're doing like Abbott and Costello. He is funny. You're right. He's a funny one. Anybody That's a good else? one. I pulled, I pulled one out there yeah, for you. Yeah, you did. Bonford yeah. is that funny. That wasn't what you were not he's expecting a clown to say funny. That. He's a clown funny. I think that Jeff is legitimately funny. All right, legitimately. He's got a little bit of the physical humor to good that, he, right. that, he, brings to the, that he brings to bear. All right, who else? you got to pick a woman who's funny. Cheryl's not funny, is she? Oh, man, there are lots. <laughs> um, April Underwood at Slack is funny. Funny? She's yes. funny. April Underwood at Slack is yeah. very funny. Okay. Yeah, she owes me now for... Calling her out on All right, but Meg Whitman's not funny, right? I don't know Meg well enough to know whether she's she funny or seem not. Funny. It's hard to tell when you first meet people because yeah. they like give you this sort of they give you their sort of like initial. First Anyone take. at Uber funny from your perspective? Ariana, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> she's in on the joke. You're setting yourself up now. No, come on. I you're, giving I your own, you're giving your, yourself your own lines. <laughs> no, but seriously, Ariana's the funny one there. If you had to, okay. uh, and Boz, badass Boz. I don't know Boz. Well, I'm just saying from afar. Okay. Right. All right. Travis is not funny, right? I don't know Boz. Yeah. There's a lot of people named Boz all of a sudden. It never <laughs> happened before. Now there's like nine of them. They're like, have you met Boz? I'm like, Jesus, where did this name come from? There was no one named Boz There's before. Boz Skaggs. And now they're all these Boz. Boz Skaggs. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah. That was a good, that was a good one. He was a good one. Yeah. Was a good and then one. there were none. Right. And now there's like nine. Wait, is Travis funny here. in any way? Uh, I don't... I don't know. I think Travis has a good sense of humor. I, yeah. I, I haven't seen Travis in a while. Okay. All right. You would have the best joke I've ever seen. I've ever, you've, one of the best jokes you've ever told is still come out. We were at a dinner for Jeff Zucker that I threw. Oh, I don't even and, have any idea where it's going to go. Oh, okay. the bus? <laughs> yes, I am. Oh, no, but God. you were great. And we oh. were there and we were with the guy from, I forget who was there. It was a whole I'm cringing. Group. I can't was, even wait to hear what this is. all these people. Who am I going to get then in trouble with? John right now? Zimmer came over and he was started to let, tell me about the 80% of the cars aren't in use. It was right when Lyft sort of started, right? Okay. And Uber was around too, and Uber was hyper aggressive. Yeah. Travis was running it. And he was, he was super earnest about the creation of Lyft. And I really yeah. wanted to start this because 80% of cars weren't in use. And he was, he's a super earnest guy. Yeah. He's lovely. And a lot so of is, earnestness. So is Logan uh, over there. Both of them are just like, so earnest and really, they're lovely people, I have to say. And they, he was like, in 80% of the cars, we've got to save the planet and da da da, like on and on and on. And he meant it, every friggin' word he was saying. And he walks away and you go, Travis is going to kill him. He <laughs> fell over. Laughing. That's it. It's over for him. I know. We it's thought it was him. done. He doesn't even know it. <laughs> but you did it. He might not make it out of the slant. It was in the slant of door. He might not make it out. <laughs> it was very funny. Well, the tide has turned on that issue. But anyway, anyone else in Silicon Valley funny that we can think of? After we, of course, are right, done, we'll I'm going to get texts from like 40 people saying, <laughs> you didn't mention me? I'm the funniest person you know. Bezos, By the way, it's always the people who are like, I'm funny. And you're like, right? Those are always the people that you're like, I'm trying okay, to think around. Okay, There's not okay. that many funny. Sundar's yeah. lovely, not funny. Lots of people. You're I'm funny. Either. Yeah, yeah, you're you're about it. You're, you're pretty much. No, but I'm seeing saying people say that. Yes, you know, and they do. Like, That's yes. a bad sign when yes. you get the I'm funny. It's true. Why didn't you mention me? Uh, you are funny. You are the funniest CEO. You win the funniest CEO. I'm, now, I'm trying to think of some other people who are, are really good. April Underwood is April, April Underwood is funny. All right. Legitimately, seriously funny. Yeah, I think it's you and Ariana to me. All right. Well, <laughs> hello. How are you? I'll keep doing you that. Were, I was waiting. I was like, well, I have a little I'll bet tell you one funny story. Right. I'll that. tell you one other part. We were in one of her cars. She's always in a car. One of her cars. Well, you know, she's always in a car. Okay. And I she, didn't know this. Yeah, she's always in a car. And she never wears That's a coat. That's not going to play well with the new healthy lifestyle. Like, no, I get that. But she's always in a car thing. and she doesn't wear coats 
because she she's always has a car. I'm like, why don't you have a coat? It was in the winter. She's like, what are you talking about? I'm not going to get out. I'm not getting, I get in and out. I go right into the place. <laughs> yeah. She never. No, you're getting out. I'm staying yes, in here. Yes, that's true. But she never. She goes from the whatever party she's at to the car and then to the hotel. She doesn't need a coat. Doesn't need a coat. And coats I was are for walkers. Walkers <laughs> like myself. I had a giant winter yeah. coat. I think we were in Germany at the time, but it was after she had talked about Travis. Uh, in the meditation room, she, she's meditating in a nursing, in a women's nursing room where women do nursing, okay. pregnant women nursing room. Okay. So that's where he was doing his meditation, which is so funny on so many levels, the idea, like the concept of it. And I was like, that isn't- I don't meditate, by the way. Do you meditate? No, I don't meditate. No, I don't what meditate. Do Hello. No, I wake up. Oh, who has time for that? <laughs> who has time for that meditation <laughs> and breathing? I breathe maybe once extra. Um, but she was talking Plus about this- like, Watch, observe your thoughts. Watch them go away. I'm like, it's not going away. <laughs> well, it you know, wants me to no, no, think about it more. They don't have to go away. Oh, they don't? No, they you can just have stay to watch there. Them. You just have to watch them. Oh, well, when I watch them, they're like, look at me. <laughs> no, think about me more. <laughs> and then I do, and then I'm like, I can't sit here. Right, I got to get up and on go do this else. thing. I'm making an Ariana All right, thing. Give so me an Ariana joke. So she was saying, so I said, I can't believe you said that he meditated in a, in a pregnant woman's nursing room. That's right. like, doesn't work with the brand right now. It's like all this extra assonant. And she goes, oh, I meant it as a joke. And I'm like, well, it's not funny. She goes, too soon? <laughs> so I was like, it's never. You've been dying brilliant. to say too soon in too an Ariana soon. accent for I have, hours. But too soon was and my favorite. On, on the way in this morning, you were like, too soon? too soon? No, that's not quite right. That's too German. <laughs> too soon? No, that's too too Russian. I'm trying to get funny you got people. It. You got it. You've got it nailed though. Who now. else is funny? Tim Cook's not funny. Is he? Maybe he's funny and we don't know it. Tim's calm and calm. Tim's calm, calm and thoughtful. Right, that's what I mean. And he's not I glum. You, no, not glum at all. Right. So I, I don't, I haven't sat with him long enough right. to know. Right. Because he's very calm and thoughtful. So yeah. everything slows down this it calm, thoughtful pace. It does. And you find yourself, your heart rate goes down to about 45 beats Exactly. A minute. And you're eating vegetables with a trace like of quinoa calm. on it. So it's all very like <laughs> and you quiet. Can, you can hear the calm. birds. Exactly. It's good. You're that's right. Nice. I like it. So last question is, Anybody at Facebook that's funny? Oh, come on. Who's funny there? Um, Zuckerberg is not funny. I think Amin Zufanin is funny. Who is that? You asked if there's anyone <laughs> okay, at Facebook. All right, go ahead. I go ahead. made up you a new employee. You picked out one no, out of Amin is Corp, or Amin is Corp Dev at, at, at Facebook. All I right. think Amin is funny. Okay, why? Because he's a funny general, person. He's just sort of an upbeat, funny, like looks at things and can find the uh, humor in them and makes observations. As a company, is them. Facebook funny? Oh, as a company, is Facebook yeah. funny? No, but I don't think any company is. Google's kind of funny. Really? <laughs> no, not intentionally. Oh, okay. I don't think any company is. is not intentionally funny. funny. They're not, but they are funny without meaning to be. Maybe a part. Maybe parts of it. No, come on. On any All given right. day, Larry and Sergey walking in a room. Do you want to hear the joke Larry Page told me? Sure. Okay. We were at, remember Esther Wojcicki, his... Is, are we already in the joke? Yeah, we're in the joke. So okay. we're at a, a journalism event that his, I don't remember. Anyway, Menlo Park High School opened this amazing journalism facility run by Esther Wojcicki, who's, we're not going to go into that, they, all those relationships. And I was trying, I was talking about it with Larry about like journalism and stuff like that. And I have, I was like, you should buy the New York Times, you know, like that someone should buy the New York, this is pre-Trump, pre-everything, like someone's got to fund this thing. This is hilarious so far, by the way. <laughs> so, <laughs> I go, you should buy the New York Times. And he goes, I buy the New York Times every day. That was a good uh, joke. <laughs> by the way, your Larry Page impression, kind of like your Ariana impression. Oh, no, it's not. A little bit. Little bit. <laughs> okay, let me do it again. Let me do it. I buy the New York Times every day. 
That's better, right? Better. 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 Anyway, so that was unintentionally funny. I mean, he, it was a joke, and I appreciated it because when robots make jokes, I try to laugh to encourage them. All right, Dick, this is going to be a, uh, a great month. We're going to talk about comedy, where it's going, and we're going to have lots of interesting guests. Funny people on. Actually, funny, legitimately, actually, truly you funny me, people. Not, not you. me <laughs> not and you. all no, the bosses. But you are very funny. You have to know that. And again, it, just because it's a low bar in Silicon Valley doesn't mean you're, you're not funny and stuff like that. Do you wish you had done another, if you had made it, what, where would you be right <laughs> if now? If I had made it instead of being a husband? <laughs> yes. Yes. No, uh, no. Where would I be right now? Well, you made I a lot no of idea. money along the way, no for idea. goodness sake. You know what? It's all good. Like, everything works out. I, you know, you I get it. Feel if like, you had made it, what yeah. would have been your dream? I would have loved to have been on SNL and then from there on, from there have gone and done, you know, either... Um, um, shows that I was uh, seriously deeply involved in or, or, or films. Um, films. Uh, SNL was the thing that I was like laser focused on um, in my 20s trying to get toward and I just wasn't able to do it. It's not going to happen now. It's not. It's, I, I think they we're well, what, we call, what you would call well past that. They, they could do some different age. Some things could happen. Some things could happen. Yeah. Lauren Michaels, Dick Coslo is <laughs> free and ready to come on Saturday Night Live. You'd be good. Who could you play? You could play Stephen Miller. No, no. let's not go there. It's okay. all a bad. It's all a bad dream at this point. You can do Pence. I'm like trying to think. <laughs> you can, I gotta think hard. You really can't do Harvey Weinstein. I could kind of do well. the Stephen Miller guy. You I could think do Stephen Miller. Do him. You he's, could do Stephen. He Miller. seems and he's he's an easy mark too. Yeah, you could do. Stephen and there's Miller. a lot of material there. I feel yep. like there's a lot going on in there. You could do Kellyanne Conway. I think. There you go. That's a perfect idea. I think you I think, you, I think you've hit the nail on I the head. I think you should take away. Well, who's doing you're, that? No, you're name? right. That's the right move. You, you could you've do just Kelly done and Conway it. Or Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Oh, I think a 80 does a great job. Yeah. All right. No, fair enough. All right. In any case, Dick, thank you for coming on the show. I'm really looking forward to the interviews. We'll be tag teaming this month. If you enjoyed the interview as much as we did, be sure to subscribe to the show. Be the first to listen to future episodes or catch up on previous episodes. You can find more than 150 past interviews in whatever app you use to listen to this or on our website, recode.net slash podcast. If you have a minute, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That helps other people find the show. Now that you're done with this, you should check out our other Recode Radio podcasts on Recode Media with Peter Kafka. You hear no-nonsense interviews, some of the smartest people in media entertain, and not just Peter Kafka. I also host Too Embarrassed to Ask, along with Lauren Good of The Verge, where we answer all of your questions about consumer tech. And on Recode Replay, you'll find audio from Recode's live events, including the Code Conference. Dick, if people want to learn more about your company, Chorus, do you really care? If they want to follow you online, where should they go? <laughs> that's really, that's, <laughs> that's the setup I get? Yeah. Yes, at Chorus on Twitter. And also at Dick. At Dick C, please. Dick C, I'm sorry. I don't know who's at, at Dick. Dick. I don't know, some other, some right, other loser. At Dick. Why didn't <laughs> Dick you get C. that one? At, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't want to be rude. It's such and a good take, joke, yeah, I though. Know, I, know. I know. What do you want? Anyway, thank you for listening to this bonus episode of Rico Decode, and thanks to our editor, Joel Robbie, and our producer, Eric Johnson. I'll be back here at my usual time on Monday. Tune in then. <laughs> <laughs>